0: You're listening to a podcast
1: from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. So, today uh, we are continuing the sermon series that we've been doing on and off for the last three or four months on the Gospel of John. And we're coming up to John 14. I hope that's right. I haven't been here at church the last couple of weeks. Did we do John 13 last week? Okay, (laughs) you were at the right area. Good. (laughs) John 14, it's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, it's a bit cut off on the edge there by the look of things, but uh, it's got words that are very profound and, and quite, uh, quite beautiful, like these words, there are many rooms in my father's house. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Whenever I read these words, I'm reminded of my Uncle John, who died a few years ago, he uh, lived in Adelaide, but I grew up with him and I was very close to him. And uh, when he was coming to the end of his life, uh, he was dying from esophagus cancer. I, I had the privilege of flying down to Adelaide and spending a few days with him. And he was very frail, very weak, uh, could hardly walk, but he could, he could talk still. And we sat in his lounge and uh, we chatted about all sorts of things, including this Bible verse. And this, this was his favourite Bible passage, John 14, which is why it always reminds me of him. And as we chatted, um, he talked about how he found such solace in those words that Jesus had gone to prepare a place for him. And that was what gave him confidence uh, going into his death. And we sat and chatted and next to us was a bookshelf full of lots and lots of DVDs. My uncle was a big film, uh, he loved film and he had thousands of DVDs. And he said to me, look, I'm not going to see any more of these movies, so I want to give some to you. It was really important to him to be able to give me a gift, to pass something on to me after he died. So he got me to choose some DVDs that I could bring back to the Gold Coast. It's actually, it's a really common thing, isn't it? For all of us, we want to give a gift to people, the people we love. When we know we're dying, we want to promise them a gift. We want to leave gifts to those we love. That's a really common thing that all of us feel. And uh, not only that, oh, by the way, that's a, a photo of a, a will kit that I bought in the post office uh, <laughs> a few days ago, about a week ago. Um, Nicole and I went to the lawyer about seven years ago and uh, explained to him what we'd like to happen to the kids and if we died, and uh, he was going to draw up our will. Um, And he never did. He he forgot all about our meeting. It turned out he had dementia. And and we've been meaning to get our will done ever since. And we've been putting it off and off and off. And uh, I walked past this will kit the other day in the post office and thought, no, got to get it. So it's sitting, well, that was a photograph I took when I bought it in the post office. It was on my my car chair. It's now moved from my car chair into the the glove box. (laughs) And eventually I'll get to it. Uh, But not just uh, giving gifts, it's not just what we want to do when we die, is it? We we also want to leave a message. It's really important for us to be able to say something important when we come to the end of our lives. I work in palliative care and uh, often I see people writing a message to their loved ones. They want their last words to be something memorable, something important, something of value that they can pass on to their family and to those they love. They don't want it to be something trivial. They don't want their last words to be unkind or angry words. They want it to be important, meaningful, purposeful words. And so we want to leave gifts when we die, and we want to leave a message when we die. So if you were dying, hopefully none of you are at the moment, what would you want to say? What would be important for you to say? Anyone want to share their thoughts? If they were dying, what sort of things might they want to say?
0: How grateful I am to be able to have loved the way I have and
1: for the love I've received. It's beautiful. Did I see someone else's hand up? Yep.
2: Thankfulness. So I imagine when someone looks back over their life, they think of certain people at critical certain times who perhaps might not even have realised it, who have had such a a positive impact and made such a difference. And I believe there's many sitting here today who have taken a meal around, an encouraging word, a scripture. And they probably don't even know it, but to many have made such a difference.
1: You'd want to share your thankfulness, it's beautiful.
2: I'm Ray, but sometimes your friends in life come from near and far. And in yesterday's Australian, there was a picture on the third page of a man called Roger Rogerson. And he was the arch murderer and criminal in New South Wales. He's 83 years old. He's the same age as me. And I went to school with him at Homebush Boys High School. Every day on the train, we travelled from Bankstown to Homebush. He was a knockabout kid, just like me. Good kid, good family, lovely Christian mother. But somewhere in his lifetime, he turned to crime and murder. If you know of that story, Roger Rogerson, he was the most celebrated policeman in New South Wales, and now he's at death's door. They've switched off his life support. And the picture shown in the paper yesterday, they didn't pick pick an ugly picture of him, they picked a beautiful picture. What he's going to do when he reaches the pearly gates, I don't know. But life does deal some lessons for us all.
1: It does, doesn't it? And so we want to leave messages that put people on the right path, don't we? So I think uh, all of us would have messages we'd want to pass on to those we love when we knew we were dying. And what about... um, gifts no actually let's stick with messages Um, if someone you loved was dying and they want to share a message with you think about how you would receive that message would you be drawing a picture off in another world would you be playing on your phone scrolling through you wouldn't would you you'd want to listen you'd really want to hear what that person had to say to you because you know it's going to be important You know it's going to be really important. And so John 14, that's all last words. These are the words that Jesus was saying to his friends, his disciples, in his last supper. He knew he he was going to his death in just a few hours. And so these are the words he wanted them to hear most of all. These are his most important messages to his friends. So we're going to read John 14 now. Uh, and we'll, we'll start with the very end of 13 because it's not an isolated chapter. It comes in a, in a big communication Jesus has. And uh, listen to them carefully because these are the last words of Jesus. They are important words. He's saying something really important to us all. So Matthew, do you want to come up and read John 14 for us?
0: But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not, so would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you, really had, if you, re- if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the father, and the father is in me? The words I speak are not my own but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will never ask the Father and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No I will not abandon abandon you as orphans. I will come to see you, I will come to you. Soon in the world will no no longer see me, but you will see me, since since I live, you also will live, and when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will now know that I am the Father.
1: Thank you, Matthew. Let's give him a hand. It's a long passage. So those are the last words of Jesus. Well, these and the words of chapter 15. What message did Jesus need his disciples to hear? What did you hear there? If you were going to summarise his message in one sentence, what struck you as that message?
2: Don't worry. There's a place for you. And I'm coming back
1: good I thought you were going to say don't worry be happy (laughs) what else do people hear is his the key theme of that last message you
2: don't need to see the father because the father is in me I am the father
1: yep definitely there's a connection there isn't it Jesus shows us God Anyone else take something additional? Is that your hand, Malcolm? Did I see it flick up? If you love me, you'll obey me. Obedience is a big part of that passage, isn't it? All right, so that was his message. What about his gift? Did he want to leave any gifts? Did you notice the gifts? What did you notice? Not sure? The Holy Spirit. Okay, good. That was the key gift. He's sending another person. Uh, The Holy Spirit. And there was one other gift. Peace. So let's look in a bit more detail at this message and these gifts. So starting with the message, I think... It couldn't be better summarized in verse 6 when Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a key part of the message of John 14. Uh, It comes in the light of a whole bunch of I am statements that Jesus actually made through John. In in the book of John, there are seven statements where Jesus defines himself using the words I am. Earlier in the book, he said, I am the bread of life. He went on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. And I am the good shepherd. And here in John 14, he comes to his sixth I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this, this I am statement is a really important message that Jesus wanted to, his disciples to hear. And actually, as I, as I read it, I think before we even get to the, uh, the nouns or the adjectives that Jesus uses to describe himself, can't go past the word the there. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. It's very exclusive there. He doesn't say, I am a way, a truth. Our life. When we think about how do we find God, sometimes we think, well, in society, we we think there are multiple paths to God. There's different ways we can reach God. God can be found, heaven can be arrived at through different pathways. So that's that's one way to think about uh, the spiritual world. Are there many paths to God, and is Jesus one of those paths? Or is it like Jesus says, he is the path, the only path. No one comes to God except through him. In our society, we definitely lean towards that idea that there are many paths to God. Many religions lead to God. Uh, a few days ago, Matthew and I drove to Toowoomba. And as I was driving into Toowoomba, there was a big, a big billboard up for the Bahá'í, Toowoomba Baha'i community. Um, and it said underneath, Baha'i community, Toowoomba, many religions all pointing to the same God. Then I was reading the newspaper over the weekend and watching the news, and um, I was watching about the World Economic Forum, which is having its annual meeting in Switzerland. And uh, these are the delegates from around the world, powerful politicians, rich men, and they invited an Amazonian witch to come and say some incantations for one segment of uh, the World Economic Forum meeting. And that's really very much in line with how our world thinks about the spiritual realm and about God. There are many ways to find God, to find purpose, to find meaning. And in fact, um, you don't even need to find, don't even need to believe in God uh, to, to find meaning and purpose and heaven. You often hear people say, oh, I'm good enough, I think if there's a God, he'll take me to heaven. Um, think... Think of all the, the books out there uh, in the self-help section. In, in, I was in Dimmicks in Toowoomba, actually, and uh, there was a massive self-help section about how to become a better person. And that's certainly how our society thinks about, about goodness and about God. If we're a good person, if we strive to do our best, we'll be okay. If there is a God, he'll take us to heaven afterwards. There are many paths to God. That's, that's our current culture. That's what it tells us. Couldn't be more different than what Jesus tells us, though. He said he was the way, the truth, the life, that we couldn't come to God the Father, that we can't come to God the Father unless it's through him. And he did this using three descriptors, which I think are worth looking at. He said he's the way. Now, the way um, is from a Greek word, which means road or pathway as I was thinking in the week about roads and pathways, that implies that some walking, some movement is needed. And there's a specific route that needs to be followed. When I think about the way, I think behind that, there's something about obedience, which Malcolm mentioned. If you look at John 14, you've probably noticed it. There are a number of times Jesus says we need to obey him. We need to walk a particular route in life. There's a direction we need to follow. Throughout John 14, there's discussions about obedience. That's a big, part, a big part of looking at Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, is to think about walking his route in obedience to his command. It's a real call to obedience. second descriptor Jesus used was truth. He said he was the truth. He is the truth. Truth is a pretty pretty big concept, isn't it? But one part of truth that's really important to grasp is it's connected to belief and trust. How many times have I heard myself saying to the kids after they've lied to me about whatever it is, if you don't tell the truth, kids, how can anyone trust you? There's a real connection between truth and trust. Belief and trust are critical in Jesus being the truth. It's a call, when he says he's the truth, it's a call for us to trust him. Like he said in John 14, verse 1, trust in God and trust in me. And then the third descriptor Jesus used was life. In, in, uh, the book of John was written in Greek, and in Greek there's actually there's two words for life. There's bios and there's zoe. And bios is biological life. Zoe is spiritual life. And here John uses the word Zoe, spiritual life. So Jesus isn't speaking just about the life that we see in front of us. He's talking about something much deeper, much longer lasting. He's talking about spiritual life, eternal life. In other words, he's giving us a promise. In him we find eternal life. He's talking about a destination that's waiting for us when we follow him as the way. As he said in John 14 too, I am going to prepare a place for you. When Matthew and I went to Toowoomba a few days ago, we, uh, we stayed at a friend's house and uh, they had... Uh, Got in a lovely room ready for us, a nice guest room, made the bed, got the house all clean. It was really nice. And sometimes when I read that passage in John, I think, oh, that's about Jesus going to heaven and preparing a place for us there in heaven. But then I thought about it some more and I thought, actually, Jesus said this just before he went to the cross. When he said he was going somewhere to prepare a place for us, I think he meant he was going to the cross. That's how he prepared a place for us in heaven. By taking on our punishment so that we could avoid that. He's prepared a place for us in heaven. So it's a pretty remarkable message that Jesus has given. I am the way, the truth and the life. It's all bound up in this idea of relationship as well. Relationship with God. Relationship with him. It's a profound last message, I think. Either that, or it's a very self-centered last message. I mean, think about it. Here Jesus is saying is, the only way you can see God is through me. I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only way to find life. That's a pretty self-centered message that Jesus had. It sounds pretty arrogant, unless it's true. In which case, it's the most important message for us to ever hear It's a profound, important message. So that's the message of Jesus in John 14. His last message that he wanted his disciples, he wanted us to hear. But he didn't just leave us with the message, he left us with an inheritance, a gift. And uh, that gift, of course, was the Holy Spirit, or is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm leaving you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit Who leads into all truth? As an aside, isn't John 14 a remarkable theological treatise on the Trinity? If anyone ever says, you know, where in the Bible does it mention the Trinity? John 14, you can't go past it. Look at that. We have a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. Jesus points to God, the Holy Spirit points to God, the Father. So it's a good passage, just as an aside, to read and think about the reality of God as three in one, the Trinity. But here Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our advocate. And that's from a a word, parakletos, which actually throughout the rest of the New Testament is translated as helper. And if you read different translations of the Bible, you'll see sometimes the Holy Spirit is uh, translated here as our comforter in the NIV and NLT as our advocate and in some translations as our helper. And that's a pretty remarkable thing when you think about it. God has given us himself as our helper. It's easy for us to think about God as looking down above, wanting to criticise us, find fault in everything we do. But that's not what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit here, is it? He comes to walk with us, to never leave us, to be beside us as our helper this is the same God who created the universe who made the stars the sun the earth the animals everything that we see he made us so great so powerful and yet he wants to be our helper not to criticize us not to focus on what we're doing wrong but to remind us of him and to help us follow that right path in fact, I think there's a connection there with the Holy Spirit as a helper, with Jesus as the way. Jesus the way, the Holy Spirit helps us walk that way. And I certainly know I need help in that. I can't do it on my own. And I know you're the same too. We need help. Help to follow that pathway of Jesus. Second thing about the Holy Spirit is, although described as a helper, he's also called the one who leads us into truth. He's the truth revealer. He leads us into all truth in verse 17. Again, Jesus is the truth and the Holy Spirit reveals us that truth. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to be deceived by what the world says is true. The world says there's no God. It's easy for us to be fooled into that says, the key to life is to get rich, focus on yourself, focus on your own pleasure. Buy that big yacht. Does anyone have a yacht here? (laughs) It's okay, we're all allowed a yacht. But that's what the world tells us. It tells us we find purpose fulfillment in looking after ourselves, focusing on ourselves, making life pleasurable for us. And that's the path we all naturally walk towards. But the Holy Spirit, He shows us the real truth and turns us from that pathway, points us back at the cross. He reveals the truth found in Jesus to us and keeps us on that pathway. And so that's another connection between Jesus as the truth and the Holy Spirit as the truth revealer. Third thing that Jesus describes about the Holy Spirit here is that he is the life giver. He lives in you now or lives with you now and later will live in you. So often it's easy to think about Christianity as becoming a good person. We think about Christianity as bad people becoming good people and that's what the point of it is. That's what God does for us. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more transformative than that. Christianity, the Holy Spirit, is about dead people becoming alive people that's the real transformation that's happening and so jesus the way the truth and the life gave us the holy spirit the helper in the way the revealer of the truth and the life giver bringing us life transforming us dead people into live people and this is a gift of course that's bound up entirely in love All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will make our home with them. It's a picture of love, isn't it? only happens because of the love of God and the way he helps us love him. It's a beautiful gift, the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't the only gift Jesus promised in this last message of his. He promised the gift of peace as well. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled, don't be afraid. The world can't give us peace. It's easy to think it can, but it can't. Um, Just this this holidays, our entire holidays has been taken up with Matthew breaking his arm, playing basketball and uh, going into surgery a few times now. And no matter how much I try, I couldn't not be anxious about that. You know, things go wrong when people have surgery. Sometimes people even die. It's, it's impossible from the world's perspective not to worry about that. Simon went to Adelaide last week to, to visit his grandparents. And uh, when he got there, he watched some TV with them afterwards, and they, uh, they watched a documentary on plane crashes. <laughs> and so he was, I was talking to him that night, and he said, oh, now I'm worried about flying back. Is the plane going to crash? We worry about things, don't we? It's natural. We can't help but worry about it. School starts tomorrow, or this week, for many kids. I remember the night before school, kids. I used to get so nervous. I hated the day before school, worrying about school. It's very hard not to be anxious about school, isn't it? The world gives us worries, and we worry and worry and worry. And we think, you know, if we get rich, if we have enough stuff, we won't worry. But actually, we worry even more because there's more for us to lose. The better life is, the more we worry because the, the more we can lose. The world can't give us peace. Nothing it does can give us peace. But the Holy Spirit can. Jesus can. He gave us the gift of peace of mind and heart. The gift the world couldn't give. And he could do that because we know that he takes our sin on the cross. He stopped the punishment that was coming for us He stopped it on the cross and took it upon himself. He bore our iniquities there, our infirmities, and brought us peace. And we know that he holds us in in his hands. He promised us that. He said in John earlier that he wouldn't let anyone snatch the sheep that he held in his hands. When the wolves are baying for our blood, when things around us are going wrong, we know that God is there holding us and so we can have peace. And most importantly, we know that there is another home. Where waiting for us is a house prepared for us. That we have a city yet to come into. And so on that day when we do take our last breath, we don't need to fear because we have the peace that there is another place, a better place, that our life is eternal. And so that's why it's a peace that Jesus can give that the world can't. So that's the last message of Jesus. It's a message of life, of truth. It's a message of the way. It's not a hard message, but it's a message we all need to hear. And it was Jesus' most important message to us. So this week... Hold on to that message and grasp that gift he's given us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that we can come to the Father, that we can see God because of you. Thank you for the peace you've left us, the peace of forgiveness, the peace of eternal life. May we grasp that gift. Holy Spirit, may you dwell up in us that life. May we go into the week really putting that on display for the world to see so that we can share you as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.